0: The Courage to Lead, Episode 62.
1: You're listening to the IB4E Coaching Podcast.
0: Brought to you by IB4E Coaching, business coaching for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business professionals. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com. Hey, Coach Harlan here. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you guys are having a great week. I'm having a great week, and I'm looking forward to introducing you to my guest. Uh, Please welcome Trisha Malloy. Trisha Malloy is an expert on developing a positive mindset to reduce stress, achieve goals, and enjoy better balance. She's a leadership speaker for organizations like Siemens and Visage, the author of Working with Wisdom, and a coach for professionals who crave more success at work and in life. In her Crave Your Goals, virtual and on-site programs, Trisha inspires professionals to lead with courage and confidence by using strategies like affirmations and visualization. She also presents Better Balance, the why, what, and how of work-life integration, and Picture This, Vision Board workshops. A former journalist and radio talk show producer, Tricia began her entrepreneurial journey in 1988 as a full-service public relations firm. After she wrote her book 2006 and began building her speaking business, she chose to offer only one unique marketing service. Trisha interviews her clients' clients and writes compelling testimonials for their marketing. Tricia, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Harlan. It's great to be here.
0: Yeah. Talk about a niche market. <laughs> Interviewing your clients' clients, that, are, I've never heard of that before. Are you the only one who does that?
1: everyone I've spoken to has said the same thing. I've never heard that before, but what a great service that is. And I get to talk to happy people all day. So I'm, I I love what I do. I love being that conduit of gratitude between my clients and their clients.
0: That is awesome. Yeah. The gratitude is huge. And I don't think we, we pay enough attention to that and the affirmation. So definitely want to talk more about that, how you got started um, your radio background, how you got started with your, your coaching, consulting and, uh, and your books. But before we get started, I have some questions for you and uh, listeners, you guys will know these questions are from the award-winning television show Inside the Actor Studio, where host James Lipton asks these questions of his Hollywood stars. And I figure if they're good enough for the Hollywood elite, they're certainly good enough for my guests. So, Tricia, if you're ready, I have 10 questions for you. I am ready. All right. Question number one. What is your favorite word?
1: Hmm. I'd say joy. Joy.
0: What is your least favorite word?
1: cry because uh, there's no commitment. There's no energy. I don't care for that word.
0: Got it. What turns you on?
1: Mm, My family.
0: And what turns you off?
1: Arrogance. Mm. Uh, I often find that people with arrogance are self-focused and they usually have low (laughs) self-esteem.
0: Exactly. They're compensating Yes. yes, they are. Um, hearts. <laughs> <laughs> what sound or noise do you love?
1: Ah, well, it used to be thunderstorms, especially when I was inside, safe and dry. But lately it's the uh, the laughter of my ten month old granddaughter Haley. That's awesome. my favorite sound. Absolutely.
0: Very cool. And what sound or noise do you hate?
1: Ooh. Uh, probably a dentist drill.
0: Mm. Oh, thank you for that.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Wow. I'm gonna have nightmares. Okay. Number seven. What is your favorite curse word?
1: Uh, I don't curse too much, but when I do, okay. it usually rhymes with with it.
0: Okay. Um, number eight. What profession, other than your own, would you like to attempt?
1: Well. I really appreciate a good country song, and so I think in my next life, or maybe in my next decade, I will be a country song writer. I like Nashville. I'd like to spend more time up there, and um, you know, especially those songs that are that are uh, that have puns in them and that are humorous. I really appreciate that. I would love to write some songs like that. Yes.
0: Um, what profession would you not like to do?
1: Probably a toll booth collector. <laughs> Can you imagine all day long taking money from strangers and breathing in all those exhausts? No. I know someone has to do it.
0: Yes. Bless her heart. Um, yeah. And finally, number 10, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates?
1: Mm. Well done.
0: Well done. Good job. All right. Trisha, we will come back. We're going to talk a little bit about how you got started, um, about your book, Working With Wisdom, the different classes you currently have, and how you got into the niche market of writing compelling testimonials. All right. That's so we will good. talk about all that and more. We're we'll probably going to not dentist drills, uh, but maybe <laughs> country-western songwriting uh, right after this. So stick with us. Well, you don't have to imagine anymore you can have that and more when you join my business success mastermind group join my business success mastermind group today learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind and i am back with my guest trisha malloy trisha thank you again for agreeing to be on the podcast thank you so oh, much pleasure. for being here um so uh, tell me about how you got started uh the radio talk show producer now you've got a journalism background did you Grew up wanting to be a journalist?
1: Um, I guess I did. I always enjoyed writing. I think I got my first writing bug when I was in maybe seventh grade. And my English teacher encouraged me to send some of my poems into the uh, school newsletter. And when I saw it in print, I thought, oh, I like this. I'd like to do more of this. (laughs) So I started writing more. And then um, I went to NYU. I I grew up in Brooklyn, so I went to NYU. And decided I wanted to be uh, get my degree in broadcast journalism. I had aspirations to be perhaps uh, a TV news anchor. Yes. And then I realized that I would probably have to start in a very small town, and mm-hmm. I just didn't want to do that. So I ended up working behind the scenes and started producing uh, radio talk shows, both in New York and then in Phoenix. Nice. Yeah, and I did that for a few years, and then, uh, I learned a lot about um, the PR process from those uh, PR people who would pitch me guests for the talk shows. And sure. I decided, well, I, I think I'd enjoy doing that. So I started my own PR business back in the dark ages. This is uh, 1988. Okay. Um, and uh, I think about what it was like back then because few people were uh, running their own business, they were kind of in between jobs, you know, freelancing. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, my My biggest investment was a Mac computer because Windows hadn't been invented yet. Okay. And then a $2,000 fax machine from Sharper Image. Wow. And I was in business.
0: Wow. So Brooklyn, you don't sound like you have a Brooklyn accent.
1: Well, thank you very much.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I can say that because my wife grew up in Brooklyn and then moved down to the Savannah area. Uh-huh. So she went from having the strong which the Brooklyn comes out every once in a while. I know yes, when I I've, I've crossed the line when the Brooklyn comes out.
1: Uh, you don't but, want to be there.
0: <laughs> no, but then she had the the deep southern accent from the you know, Savannah area and stuff. And now she's kind of uh-huh. leveled out a little bit.
1: Yeah.
0: Is that what happened to you or was that part of being in think, the journalism?
1: Yeah, I think I think I was uh trained to leave that accent behind when I moved away, uh just simply because of my my training but um it comes back it comes back when I visit it comes back when I'm a little tired sure. but I remember one time when I was in Phoenix producing the talk shows and these two linguists were the guests and as I was leading them to the studio they were trying to guess where I was from and one said California another one said somewhere in the Midwest and when I told them they they were they were amazed that, you know, they couldn't believe it. They even felt bad that they couldn't pick up a little bit of Brooklyn in my voice. So I thought that was pretty good.
0: I can't hear it at all. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, So you talk about work life integration, not work life balance. Talk to me about the difference.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, I use the term work life balance sometimes because that's what people, you know, know and what they search and that type of thing, but there is no such thing as perfect balance. So I make Mm -hmm. sure that I, my program is called Better Balance because we can all get a little bit better when it comes to that. Yep. And I use the term work life, uh, work-life integration in the subtitle because that's really what it is. It's it's that, you know, there's all these different words. There's harmony. I heard mm-hmm. one time uh, someone used the term work-life sway, you know, swaying from work okay. into life. So it really is about, about integrating uh, your responsibilities at work and um, at home and not to Try to pursue uh, work-life balance because, or perfect balance, because that'll just make you even more out of balance.
0: Exactly, more stress. Yeah. So, what what do you see when you're during these workshops? What do you see people really? Is it working too much? Not devoting enough time to the home life, or or is it lack of sleep? What is it that they're um, working on?
1: It's a lot of that stuff. Yeah, you know, you've got. I usually start my program and ask them, when do they know that they're out of balance? You know, when do they know that they're stressed out and burned out and all of that? And a lot of times people talk about not getting enough sleep. And uh, sometimes they talk about, you know, just uh, physically how they feel, achy and stomach issues and head uh, headaches and all that. And then sometimes they talk about, you know, being uh, short tempered. Uh, impatient. So there's all these symptoms that people experience, and sometimes they just ignore those symptoms and kind of push through. When if they kind of step back and reflected on it and made just some subtle changes, it can really make a big difference. I always say, you know, work life balance or work life integration or better balance is is not a luxury anymore. It's a necessity if we want to keep our health. If we want to, you know, perform at our best. If we want to maintain or strengthen our relationships, because I think a lot of times people who um, are estranged from others uh, or even, you know, getting divorced, it's because they just couldn't figure out how to have a little bit better balance.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I like the, the term integration or harmony, like you're saying, because okay. there is no, it's not like you can devote just eight hours to this or that. No. Yeah, you can't do Especially it. And these days especially these days. And, you know, I found working with clients that if something is affecting the job, it translates over to the home life too. If there's communication issues at work, there's probably communication issues at home, right? Yes. Right. So right. interesting. And then the picture, this vision yeah. boards, now people may, may not be aware what vision boards are.
1: Uh-huh. What are those? Oh, I love, I love doing this. So I've been doing it for a number of years now Uh, for organizations like EY, uh, Verizon, CDC. So, you know, your mind is so powerful, as you know, Harlan. And one of the best ways to to, um, connect your mind with what your goals are is through visualizing it. Uh, There's a part of your brain called the reticular activating system, or RAS, and it acts as a spam filter. And when you program your RAS, you tell it what's most important to you, it allows you to be more aware of those opportunities and resources. And a vision board is a great way to program your RAS. So what I tell clients is, you know, um, make a list of those goals that are important to you. And it could be, you know, a combination of personal goals and professional goals, or you could separate them. And then you flip through magazines. I like to do it the old fashioned way, flip through magazines, cut out pictures and words and uh, phrases uh, that reflect what you want to manifest in your life. You create that board and you you use it as a tool. You, know, you look at it each day and I always say ask just one simple question, what's one thing I can do to bring me closer to this reality? And then either it'll be an immediate response that you'll have or sometime during the day you'll think about someone to call, some research to do. And the idea is just to keep picturing what's there And allowing it
0: to unfold. Awesome, yeah. The uh, reticular activating system. It's people will probably realize, you know, when you say if if you want a new car, yeah, you buy a new car or you look at a new car, you suddenly start seeing that model car everywhere you look. Yes, you know,
1: and 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 people say, well, what's what's with that? And then then you they realize it's the RAS. Yeah, Yeah. exactly.
0: Yeah, you just become more aware of it. Uh, My wife and I will be watching a TV show and we'll hear a word or a name of a town Mm -hmm. we've never heard before. And then suddenly it's everywhere. It's in the news. It's it's like, how does that happen? But that's all it is. You're just more aware of it. Right. That's right. So being aware of and working with businesses, the vision, mission, and purpose vision is important. You have to have that clear, compelling vision. You have to be able to communicate that to your employees for them to see that vision and say, Hey, I want to be a part of that. Right. And that's kind of what the vision boards are for, right. To keep you focused on your goal.
1: And it can be done as an individual, it can be done as a family, it can be done as a team at work. And uh, I I often say that it's such a, a powerful communication tool to yourself, to your subconscious, but then to people around you. Because when you have something that's a board that's visible to other people chances are they're going to say oh i see you want to you know travel to italy or you want to learn how to play the guitar or you want to you know um get an advanced degree or whatever might be on the board and chances are that person either can help or knows somebody who can help or just can offer some advice and there's no other way to communicate that it's not like you'd show somebody a list of your goals or or even articulate that but when they see it on a board it's different people want to help
0: absolutely Very cool. And now, is this uh, part of because it looks like you were in the positive mindset space? Yeah. Right. Um, Because you also have a program, Crave Your Goals. Oh, yeah. Tell me about that program. Yeah.
1: Well, so um, when I wrote my book in 2006, uh, it's called Working with Wisdom. And the subtitle is 10 Universal Principles for Enlightened Entrepreneurs. And when I would speak, when my book first came out, I would cover all 10 principles from the book. And they're all great strategies. They've been around forever. I've just packaged in a way to make them easier to apply. So they are things like um, embracing prosperity and staying present. And what I found is, although my audiences seemed to be inspired, they were somewhat overwhelmed. It was just too much information. So I, I went back and I thought, well, maybe if I just do five of these strategies. And then if I can come up with a word that would be um, easy to remember and to practice and to share with others, and if it could be a juicy word that had emotion with it, then that would be even better. And that's where CRAVE came in. So CRAVE okay. is an acronym for five strategies. And they really do tie directly into, you know, what it means to be a courageous leader because it's all about uh, maintaining that positive mindset. Okay. Okay. Would you so, like to know what those? Absolutely. Are? Okay. Absolutely. So C is for clean out the clutter. And that's physical clutter, emotional clutter, technical clutter. You know, clutter uh, gets in the way of our goals and our dreams. Yep. It uh, keeps us out of balance. It distracts us. It drains our energy. And once we start to recognize that clutter and we start to release it, we create the space for the universe to fill it with what serves our highest good. Excellent. And so once we uh, start to let go of the clutter, we become um, we have more energy and we have more clarity and uh, and hopefully we become ruthless against clutter. So we start to keep it from getting into our lives.
0: Nice. So that's
1: the first step. Okay. And then R is for raise your energy. And um, I think energy management is just as important, if not more so than time management when it comes to goals. Okay and we are all vibrational energy beings and vibrations is just another word for feelings and emotions, it's our attitude. And when we're feeling good about ourselves, we're taking good care of ourselves, when we feel appreciated, we'll vibrate at a high, positive, constructive level. And because energy attracts like energy, we'll attract people and circumstances that vibrate at that same level. But when we're burned out when we're stressed out, we're not taking care of ourselves, and we don't feel appreciated, we'll vibrate at a low, dark, negative, destructive level, And because misery loves
0: company, company. you'll attract attract those people.
1: You know that to be sure. (laughs) Yeah. So the idea is to figure out ways to keep that energy high. You know, it's it's about, you know, uh, eating right, drinking plenty of water, getting enough sleep, exercising, purposely spending time with positive, supportive people and less time with the others. It's just all those little things that you can do. That's going to keep your energy high. Okay. And then that's, let's see, A is for affirm success. That's about positive self-talk. So I teach people how to create affirmations that will help su- to support them because we speak to ourselves at least 10,000 times a day and 80% of it tends to be negative,
0: even hmm. the most
1: enlightened of us because we're programmed to protect ourselves right. against worst case scenarios. So that affirmations or positive self-talk help to support your success, even though those other messages are going through your head. And the rule of thumb is to keep them positive in the the present and brief. And then let's see, V is for visualize. We talked about the RAS and how that works and keeping keeping an image of where you wanna go um, and your subconscious starts to take you in that direction. And then E is for express thanks, cultivating that attitude of gratitude because what we focus on expands and what we appreciate, appreciates. And we tend to focus on what's not going right, what we don't have instead of what is going right, what we do have. So one of the simple um, strategies that I suggest here is to just to keep a, a gratitude journal, just a simple notebook you keep by your bed and a couple of nights a week, write down a brief list of what you're thankful for that day. Always include one unique entry, which would get you during the day to go, oh, what am I going to add to my gratitude journal? Yep. It helps you get a much better uh, night's sleep. And uh, it just Keeps you focused on what's going right, so you can, you know, achieve more.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. That reminds me because my wife and I used to used to make a habit of that. We would, and we've gotten out of it for some reason. Uh, yeah. You know, the, here's what I learned today. Here's what I'm grateful for today, and here's why uh, something about you that I appreciate. Oh, I love. You know, and that's that. why we used to, yeah, end our days, and and yeah, Aww. we need to get back to doing that because you're right. Yeah. The, expressing thanks is something that we've kind of gotten out of, you know what I mean? I, my nieces growing up, their mom taught them to write thank you letters or thank you mm, notes. And it, sometimes yes. it was just a big crayon scroll, thank you. But it got into these nice letters. that really talked about what you did touch me, how you helped me or stuff like that. And it's important. We don't hear that enough.
1: It is so important for everyone. I mean, it's such a random act of kindness and it and it's important for the person who's receiving it, the person's giving it, the people who observe it. It really is. It's, it's a lost art. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's great. So is this, a, this is one of the other programs you offer, Crave Your Goals, right? Yeah. So
1: Crave Your Goals and then the Better Balance program and then the Vision Board. So those are my three programs, which all tie in together when it comes to developing a more positive mindset.
0: Excellent. We could all use that. Um, yeah. Are these programs ongoing or are these programs that people would contact you and say, hey, want you to hold this at our, our company?
1: Right. I don't do public programs. So these okay. are all what I do for my clients. Excellent. Mm-hmm. And I Very can do that cool. both uh, on-site and virtually. You know, this, the pandemic, um, one of the things that, uh, that has been a positive is getting us to recognize that we don't always have to be in the same room to, to get leadership development. And so I I expect that I will continue to do virtual programs regardless of the situation, but it sure is nice when you're back together in in one room. Yeah. Yeah, I know a
0: lot of people are suffering. Um, You know, they were very outgoing people. Maybe they're salespeople. They're used to going in and shaking hands and talking to people. And now suddenly everything is over. Zoom conference yes. calls. That's, that's tough for some people. It's
1: very tough for some people.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, we're used to maybe seeing people and talking, Oh, you know, great outfit you have on today. Oh, I like what you've done with your hair. On zoom. We're a lot more casual. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's harder to get that. You, you almost don't feel like you're with the people cause there's there's that digital disconnect as so we're talking to some yeah. people that just say they've just really struggled. I know a friend of mine is a, a counselor and he, his business has like quadrupled Mm. because of people, just the depression of not being around people. Mm. They're not good on the phone. They're not good in the Zoom conference. They're used to being with people and suddenly they can't. And it's been really tough for them, you know, or they're used to being outside the home doing their business. Now suddenly they're at home with the kids, with the spouse, you know, with everything going on, which brings up a lot of more other type of stress, you know, Yes.
1: I know when I talk about better balance especially when the pandemic first uh, came on the scene I would I would advise people who were not used to working from home uh, some advice I was giving is always take a shower in the morning get dressed dress like you're going to work uh, take take those breaks you know stretch breaks lunch breaks all this stuff that you know because uh, if you're not used to working from home, it can be over, overwhelming and you mm-hmm. forget those natural breaks that you would have if you were in an office. And one of the ways, oh, at the end of the day, to take a little bit of a, um, uh, be able to uh, tra- uh, transfer from a home from work to home mode. Yes. Uh, it could be just taking a walk around the block, even getting in your car and driving through the neighborhood and then coming back somewhere where you can make that switch. Sure. And uh, one of the best pieces of advice that I've heard from other people when they try it and it works is if you are a little too close for comfort with your spouse and it's important for you to deal with that stress by creating a fictitious uh, coworker, let's call him Bob. And so we can say things like, I can't believe Bob left dirty dishes in the sink again, (laughs) And sometimes just saying that to your spouse is enough to get get him or her to yes. clean up his mess, his or her <laughs> mess. <laughs> so and my husband and I have a Bob co-worker that gets a lot of blame, but it helps Excellent. us to reduce the stress of being so close together.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, my wife and I, you know, usually you gather around the, the you know, water cooler, right? Or go into the coffee yeah. and get the coffee. My wife and I will meet. Kind of in the kitchen she sits at the kitchen counter and I'll stand on the other side and we'll talk about what's been going on. Oh, how to deal with this, how to deal with that. They'll kiss each other and she'll go back to her office and I'll go back to mine. That's so, it. That helps, doesn't yeah, it? Those little definitely, breaks. Definitely. And then putting on your your casual clothes. So I'm yeah. done with work. Everything shut off. Yeah.
1: Put that's on the right. jeans. That's a Absolutely. good
0: transition. So uh, talking about transitions, let's talk about courage. Where did you find the courage to uh, go out on your own and kind of create your own programs and stuff?
1: You know, I think back at, back in those days, and as I mentioned, you know, it wasn't easy. The technology wasn't there like it is today. But I remember there was a, a, a frequent guest on my radio talk shows at the time who was all about encouraging people to strike out and be entrepreneurs. And he had this list of things that kind of like a little bit of a quiz, you know, do you have what it takes to be on your own? And he was kind enough to go through that with me. And a big part of it, what I remember is you know, are you self-motivated? Are you self-motivated or do you need other people? And I, I knew I was self-motivated. Now, I didn't, I didn't have any role models in my family. You know, nobody that I grew up with had their own business and all. So I felt a little bit like a pioneer, but I did know that I was comfortable being on my own and could keep myself motivated. And that was a big piece of it. So, and then as I started my marketing business, I made a point to reach out to other uh, solopreneurs mm-hmm. and learn from each other. I li- lived in Phoenix for the first year and then moved to Atlanta. And I started within a couple of months, I started a group that I called the Flack Pack. Okay. And flack is a derogatory term for, for PR people. So okay. I didn't want us to be taking too taking ourselves too seriously. And I started with a, a group of about five other women um, that I just kind of connected with in different ways. And we started meeting on a regular basis, usually once a month, and we'd share ideas and we'd learn from each other and all of that. So that was back in 19, I guess it was about 1989 when I started that. And you know, we still, we still uh, are continuing to meet now the, the original group uh, has changed, but we have about a dozen women uh, that meet almost every month. And share ideas and and learn from each other. So I think a big part of courage is finding others and supporting each other and learning from each other.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, And there are different types of courage, right? That we tap into um, on a daily basis, either as individuals or in our professional lives. Um, Discipline courage, uh, intellectual courage, right? The courage to be open to new type of of learnings. Um, There's Uh, Moral courage, uh, empathetic courage. What type of courage do you think is most important for entrepreneurs?
1: Uh, I think the courage to believe in themselves. Okay. I think that's a lot of what I talk about when it comes to positive mindset. You know, what are you saying to yourself? If you're not saying what your best coach or best friend would say to you, then why Mm -hmm. not? Why aren't you you know, pumping yourself up and, and noticing the good that you do. Sure. So I think the courage to believe in yourself would be the one that I would focus nice.
0: on. Yeah. Cause they say your, your subconscious mind doesn't know when you're joking.
1: Yes. Right. You
0: know? So if you say, wow, how stupid am I? Your subconscious mind thinks, oh, you want examples of how stupid you are? Well, you did this <laughs> and this uh-huh. and this and this.
1: That's so yeah. true. I, I have a friend who a uh, couple of years ago, she shared her affirmation with me that, that I use all the time now. And she, um, she was a few years older than I was. And she, was, she said she had gotten frustrated with technology. She was trying to work on her website and some other technology, and she was just frustrated. And she said, I decided that I would say to myself, I am a student of technology. And she said, as soon as I started saying that, I gave myself grace. Nice. You know, I, I no longer, you know, was too hard on myself. I recognized it was going to take time to learn. So I say that a lot whenever I'm learning something new, especially technology. I'll say that I'm a student of technology That's awesome, and that helps.
0: That does help. I am yeah. a student of adulting. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm still learning. Uh, yeah. um, so uh, um, in your in your current business, do you work alone? Do you have a team?
1: With, with my speaking business?
0: Yeah, speaking in the different programs yeah. that you do.
1: Yeah. No, I'm. I'm on my own. You know, I have a team of support around graphics and um, and technology, um, but I am. I'm the presenter. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I made a conscious effort to do that. I talked to a number of people that had built up businesses. You know, with employees and all of that, and almost everyone regretted it. Really. They were doing more managing. Ooh than yeah. the work that they loved. And I thought, well, I might not be able to take on everything that's, that comes my way. Um, because I, I also believe in work-life balance, but mm-hmm. if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it on my own.
0: Sure. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I'm all for that. I mean, if, if it's something that you enjoy doing, why not do it? Why would you hand that off to someone else?
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah.
0: Um, And then talk about your writing testimonials. Yeah. for your clients. How how did you come up with that?
1: <laughs> so when I started my marketing business back in 1988, <clears throat> I, uh, I offered all a full service uh, offering. So I did media publicity and marketing materials this before the internet. So printed marketing materials, uh, employee communications. And within a short time, I had a few clients that came to me and said, you know, we're having a hard time getting our clients to write recommendations, you know, they keep promising and then they, I, they just don't deliver. Do you have any thoughts on that? And, and I thought, well, how about if I interview them and write it uh, for them for everybody's approval? So we said, okay, let's try that and see if it, how it works. And it worked amazingly well. Wow. And that just became one of my main uh, services that I offered uh, those clients. And then I continue to offer it. And, um, then back in 2006, when I wrote my book and started speaking, uh, I was going to be speaking a lot about work-life balance. And I thought, there's no way that I can run two, bis- two full businesses and actually have a life as well. And I thought about the, uh, shutting down my marketing business. But then I thought, well, I-, I really love writing these testimonials. Why don't I just focus on that? And it's a unique service. And I mm-hmm. get so much joy out of it. So I decided that I would do that. and so. Since then, I've been I've been focused just on writing testimonials, and oh, it's been a great ride.
0: <laughs> that's great. No, I you know they say the the riches are in the niches, right? You want to find that niche yes. and, and really get in there, and I think you found one. What makes a good testimonial?
1: Ah, so it needs to tell a story okay. and be as detailed uh, and specific as possible, which is speci- specificity. Specificity when it's <laughs>
0: Right. <laughs> when, it's specific, when it's specific, yes. Yeah, it's
1: much more credible. Okay. So I'm, and then also you want to have emotion in it. Okay. Uh, and then the third thing is to keep it concise because if it's too long, nobody's going to read it. Right. So typically six to eight sentences is makes for a good testimonial. Um, yeah, I would say those are the things that I look for when I put together a testimonial.
0: Excellent. So instead of just saying, this company is really good. I really like them. That right. that doesn't really tell you anything. That's no, you know.
1: and often that's what you'll get when you ask uh, a sure. client or a customer to write it for themselves. Sure. You know, they want to help, they want to support you, they 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 are appreciative, but you know they're often too close to it, and they're not writers. So yeah. it's fun when I do these interviews. Uh, often the, the my clients' clients will say, "Boy, that's a good question. I hadn't thought about that." And so I, I go as deep as I can go. And then a lot of that, the gold comes from that. You know, the second, third question, I go into it. um, You know, sometimes it's about, you know, experiences that they had in the past with others and how that would compare with their experience with this particular client. Um, It's always something, it's interesting. I I work a lot with interior designers. Okay. And uh, that's just one of my, I guess, niches. And that's been fun because I've had my clients, clients actually, if we're doing a cell phone call Switch me over to FaceTime so that they can show me what actually was done, you know, give yeah. me a better idea of the the, the the clever creativity of these interior designers.
0: Sure. Yeah. But you know, when, when you think of interior designers, you think, well, a testimonial for the work that they did would be very valuable, especially if I'm looking to redesign my home or, or do something interior. But you work for a lot of different businesses, right? This is not yes. just that. Oh, yes.
1: So, business coaches, consultants, um, home improvement experts, uh, lawyers—yeah, um, it's the way I say it, it. It's typically a service business because they're attesting to the customer service, the experience, uh, and especially if you uh, depend on review sites, um, it's a great way. I, I the process that I use is I. Start by uh, interviewing them, writing the copy, getting everyone's approval. The last piece is to send them links to my clients' uh, review sites, so they simply click uh, and and copy and paste to okay. the sites. So typically, Google, Facebook, uh, interior designers use Houzz, um, LinkedIn, sometimes, okay. yeah,
0: Yelp, things like that. So you actually write it up and give them the copy, yeah. and then they. Yes. They so do I'll, nice. I write the
1: copy, I get my client's approval, their, their approval. And so then the last thing is, here's what you approved. Here are the links, just click and paste.
0: Nice. Um, on the, on the PR side, do you help clients that maybe get some bad publicity on how to uh, react or not react to that?
1: You know, I haven't really, but that's a that's a that's a big issue. Reputation management, just yeah. as important it is to be proactive with the testimonials, whether it's on review sites, their website, and proposals, social media. It's also knowing that when they do get a bad review, to be able to uh, respond authentically to yeah. it. Um, and then sometimes, you know, you just got people who sometimes don't even. Never even use that product or service, but right. for whatever reason, they choose to to put something on the review sites. And then the important thing is to be proactive in getting a lot more reviews to help help that go down.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the last thing you want to do is um, argue, start a, a back right. and forth, tit for tat kind oh. of argument with these people. I've seen that before and yes. how damaging that can be to a you business.
1: It sure can. It sure wow.
0: can. So... Uh, If you had to do it all over again, Mm. would you follow the same path? Would you go the same route through journalism and everything like that?
1: I think so. I'm glad I didn't stay in the media because the media has changed so drastically. Um, And I don't think I would think I would be very frustrated these days. So I'm glad I made that shift. And I'm certainly glad I I decided to go out on my own. yeah. You know, you see all those statistics about, you know, the chances a small business makes it five years or so. Yeah. Um, I don't know what I would attribute my success to around that. I think it's just, you know, being aware of what I'm good at and what I'm not, and finding people who can do what I can't do well. Mm-hmm. And then also choosing clients, choosing clients carefully. I learned the hard way that uh, not everyone that wants to work with me, I should be working with. Uh, Early on in my career with my marketing, I remember having uh, a couple of retail clients and a restaurant client. And that's just a whole uh, other animal. Uh, To me, I realized that B2B, business to business, um, experts, consultants, that was my that's where I had the most fun and could have the best results. So I think that's a part of, you know, recognizing that as an entrepreneur. Well, here, here's my whole list of clients, which ones, you know, a friend of mine said one time, you know, you've got clients that you love and, and you have clients that if you saw them in the supermarket, you would avoid that aisle. Right. <laughs> And I didn't want to have any clients that I would avoid
0: saying hello to in the supermarket. Yeah. But being very clear about what you do well, what you like to do, that does help you, right? Because, and I forget, I forget who I or where I read it. I know it was in a book, but they said that, you know, 80% of your revenue comes from 20% of your Mm -hmm. customers, right? And 80% of your, uh, margins, your profit comes from 20% of your products and services. So narrow it down to focus on just those and you'll be set.
1: And I can see as a coach, you would be able to help your clients recognize that where we might be too close to it to think, well, wait a second. Like you talked about niching, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and that, that was always an issue with some of my clients. They, they, they thought that going narrow would reduce their opportunities when actually it was counterintuitive that it would actually expand their opportunities but they have to have courage to say no this is what i specialize in and no thank you i won't take that work on exactly yeah Yeah.
0: and that i guess would fall under the intellectual courage you know to uh, the 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 courage to set aside your long-held beliefs to set aside the knowledge you currently have knowing that there's probably new information out there yes um i've been reading business books all my life i would not Consult or, or counsel uh, a company based on thirty-year-old knowledge. There's probably newer, better information available here, and a lot of times business owners they're afraid to ask their their employees. You know, how would you do this, right? Because the employee may come up with a great idea, and it's like, darn, I'm the boss. Why didn't I come up with that first, right? So having that courage to set it aside and say, you know what, I'm willing to learn. I, I want to learn new ways to do things. So yes. I think that's important. Um. What do you you look for in a leader? You work with a lot of leaders in a lot of the businesses that you you consult with and the programs you run. What do you look for in a leader?
1: I look for, uh, and this might sound like it's opposing, but people who are confident, but also humble. Okay. And like you mentioned about being open to ideas and doing things differently, I think that comes from being humble uh, and being open uh, to others' opinions and all hmm. Yeah. Sure does help to have a good sense of humor.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But like you said, the arrogance is yeah. is difficult. That's that's something I struggle with, too. Not personally, but I mean, that's one of the things that I don't like in people. Um, arrogance is um, the bravado without anything to back it up. Yes. Right. Yes. Somebody who really is good at what they do. They don't need to be that braggadocious mm-hmm. about things. Right?
1: That's so true. Yeah, it it kind of uh, amuses me when I see that because I realize that they're just hiding behind that.
0: Exactly, yeah. My wife had a book years ago on the shelf called A Lion Doesn't Need to Roar.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. you just
0: don't. Very cool. So what's next for you? I mean, you've got your book, mm. you've got all the programs you're doing, you've got a great niche that you're working in. Yeah. What's next?
1: Oh, you know, now that... Uh, events and meetings are coming back. Um, I plan to do a lot more. I'm looking forward to getting back on the stage. My next program for um, the Society of Human Resource Managers is going to be in September at Stone Mountain. So looking forward to being back on stage and connecting with people before and after the program, Um, not virtually, but actually in person. So um, I expect a a lot of the programs that had been Uh, postponed or canceled to pick up again for next year so i'm looking forward to that but i I like the idea that i have that from a work-life balance standpoint that i have that nice mix of uh the speaking and the testimonial writing especially testimonial writing because i can work that work around my life instead of my life around the work so i i designed that carefully so i could do that nice yeah. very
0: cool but well, you say most of these programs you do for businesses do you offer anything just for the general population to kind of introduce them to what you do
1: I don't you know I, I used to early on in my career and realized it wasn't worth the the time the money the effort there's just too many variables to, to pull people in my experience yeah. uh, for a program so I I am I am the talent and my client pretty much does, does the rest. And I, I like it that way.
0: Got it. So if people want to reach out to you and connect with you, mm-hmm. how can they do that? What's your website? Do you have a website out?
1: So I have a, a, two websites. My okay. leadership development website is simply trishamolloy.com. So okay. T-R-I-C-I-A-M-O-L-L-O-Y.com. And then my testimonial writing uh, website is, uh, let's see. The main site is is molloycom.com, M-O-L-L-O-Y-C-O-M dot com, or the inside page is simply TestimonialWritingservice.com.
0: TestimonialWritingservice.com. Yeah. Perfect. And, I,
1: and we talked a little bit about the Crave formula. So yep. if, if anyone is interested, I have a ebook that I put together that goes into more detail on the Crave uh, steps. Great. So if they're interested, they can simply just email me with Crave" in the subject line. Okay, and I'll send that ebook out to them. Um, the, my email address for that would be Trisha at trishamalloy.com.
0: Perfect. That is awesome. And your book is your book still available?
1: It sure is. It's available okay. on Amazon and it's available on my website. And it's available as a paperback, uh, a true ebook, uh, and an audiobook. Really, for those who prefer to listen instead of Excellent. read.
0: And Most do you I do the things. audio? I did. Nice. I
1: did. My husband did the intro, uh, cool. and I did the audio. And it's an abridged version, okay. so um, it has all the all the good meat in it. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, I have that both as, as CDs and then an MP uh, MP MP three three file. MP4. yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Excellent. So a lot of ways to get their wisdom.
0: Very cool. Well, I will make sure all of that information is in the show notes so people can reach out thank and get you. in touch with you, Tricia. Thank you so much for being on the show. This has been phenomenal.
1: Oh, I'm real, I really enjoyed getting to know you uh, better through this, and yeah. uh, I appreciate the the time we took today.
0: No, absolutely. This is great, and I will definitely check out your book and your website. Um, and listeners, hope you guys enjoy this episode. I hope you're taking notes. A lot of good mm-hmm. takeaways from this. If you were not taking notes shame on you. (laughs) Listen to it a second time. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But if you did enjoy this episode, please share with your family, friends, and colleagues and -hmm. stick around because there's always more coming. And that's it for me, Coach Harlan saying so long for now.
1: Bye-bye.